I'm going to tell them this is what you should feel. This is what you should do. This is how you should do it. This is what this, this is the act. This is the reason why. So they, they truly understand. So there's a sense of purpose behind the movement or the exercise versus just frivolous, frivolously just doing something to do it. Right. Like I'm not going to just fill your time to fill your time. Like there's a reason behind what we do. And once you buy into that reason, then you're going to have better control. If you have better control, you're probably going to feel better. If you're going to feel better, you're probably going to perform better. Yeah. So it's all about being able to try to connect those dots. Hello, and welcome to the Physical Preparation Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Robertson, and I'll be joined on the line later today by Coach Brajesh Patel. Now, before we jump into this week's episode, I want to give you a hopefully shortish, but probably longish recap of not the week that was, but really the month that was. Uh, haven't gotten to get you caught up on these in quite some time. Obviously, a lot has happened. Kids finished up with school for the semester. We had Christmas. We had New Year's. We took a trip to Florida. They're back in school. So there's been a lot going on, and I want to get you caught up and up to speed so you know what is going on. So obviously, with the holidays, it was just an amazing time of year. Got to see all of the families. Uh, got to see Jess's family. Got to go down and see my family. You know, it was just great to be around everybody, connect with everybody, just having that time. And it's funny, Kendall always talks about, you know, as much as I love presents and all that, she always talks about my favorite part of this is spending time with family, going and having our family Christmas and seeing all the family members together. So, you know, when you hear stuff like that, it makes me feel like maybe I'm not the worst parent on the planet. So that's always good to know. But Kids had a great Christmas. Santa definitely came, spoiled them. So just great having that time. Love building Legos with Cade the next day. Also got a copy of NBA 2K, which I found out I am absolutely awful at. (laughs) We were trying to play that. I think it was on Christmas Eve. Myself, my nephew, and his son, and it was awful. I think the Nets beat us approximately 88 to 16. So the 2K work is definitely coming. I definitely need to improve on that before I challenge any of my basketball guys to a game of NBA 2K. But Christmas was great. Literally the day after, Kendall, Kate, and I jumped on a plane, flew to Florida. My parents relocated to St. Pete. Jeez, I think they said seven years ago now, which is mind-blowing to think about that. I thought it was only five. But got to go down, hang out with them, Got to do all kinds of fun stuff. I mean, first off, it was beautiful down there. I think it was either high 70s or low 80s every day. No humidity. So we got off the plane, took the kids fishing. Kate had never really fished before. Literally, we're putting like the little bobber rig in the water, and my guy caught three fish his first time out. So he was killing it. Kendall caught two fish. She learned how to cast. So that was an an absolute blast because my parents live kind of right on the back of this bay. So literally you walk out of their house, you walk onto their pier and you can fish right there. So that was awesome. And again, it's attached to a bay. So we're just hanging out back there and there's dolphins back there. Uh, Another day there was a manatee. So, I mean, just all the wildlife, all the nature, it was just great to just kind of chill out and decompress back there. So the kids love that. Uh, We took a day, went to Legoland. I mean, that place is amazing. Just looking at all the builds and they have everything from like this replica strip of Las Vegas to this huge oversized head of Albert Einstein. Uh, If you have kids and they're into Lego Ninjago, all the Lego Ninjago creatures are all of the the characters from Lego Ninjago. So Kate absolutely loved that. That was a great day. 
came back the next day. We went to Universal. So we were really killing the theme parks there for a couple days, and that was great. Too many 3D and 4D rides for me. I'm more of like a classic roller coaster kind of guy, but the 3D and 4D rides really scrambled my brain. So by the time 5, 5.30 rolled around, we were all pretty much toast, but got to see Harry Potter Land, which was awesome. Big Harry Potter fans in this family. I've read all the books. I think as a family, we've watched all of the movies three times now. Uh, and I know as the kids get older, they're going to be excited to read those. So that was just really cool. Walking around Harry Potter land, so much attention to detail. Got to ride the ride, which was, I mean, that line was insane. <laughs> you know, I thought we'd maybe be on a downturn, but it was packed. We even had a fast pass and I think we waited 45 minutes. So I have no doubt people that were waiting in that regular line were waiting three or four hours at least. But it was great to hang out, see the all the rides, all the attractions. My sister actually came with us to that. So it was great to spend a day with her. She lives in Colorado. We don't get to hang out all that much. So, you know, got a lot of time there. And then the final day we were there, got to go to the aquarium in Tampa. And, you know, of all the things that we did on this trip, Kendall said that was her favorite. She loves aquariums, loves petting the stingrays and all the sea creatures. Uh, so that was a, just an absolute blast as well. So long story uh, on New Year's Eve, you know, I wake up and we're excited to get home and we got plans to to go to a party and I get an email from the amazing Spirit Airlines that our, our flight had been canceled. So needless to say, we were all freaking out, you know, kids are really upset, I'm upset, all we want to do is be home at that point in time. Finagled us a ride home on American, it was a little bit pricier than I was hoping to pay, but hopefully get that money back from Spirit and... If you ever see me in real life, I'll have to tell you about all the ups and downs of that day and all of the moves I tried to make to get us home. So needless to say, we were excited to get home, see Jess. We got to go to the Christmas, or the Christmas, the New Year's Eve party and hang out there for a couple hours. And then now, I mean, we're just back to the grind. Kids went back to school today. I'm back in the gym, you know, 2022, here we are. But very excited about the new year. The The podcast continues to grow excited about that. I'm excited. Uh, I've got a, a new article coming out next week where I'm going to talk about, you know, some commitments I've made to myself as far as taking my health to the next level, taking my content creation to the next level, getting back to writing more, creating more video content. So just really excited about this year, excited to share a lot of wins, hopefully with you. We'll probably take some L's along the way, but hey, that's life and that's how we get better. So we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to jump into this awesome episode with my guy, Coach Brajesh. Coach B, man, that, I've known this guy like 15 years now. He's a legend. I love him. And I think you're going to love this episode. So quick break, and then we'll get back to it. Believe it or not, 2022 is right around the corner. And I want to help you make it your best year ever. As 2021 wraps up, I've made it a goal to totally revamp my online coaching platforms. The fact of the matter is I want to help more people than ever before. And that starts with people like you. So if you're interested in getting in the best shape of your life this year, I've got two options that might interest you. Option number one is my private online coaching. Here, we'll essentially take offline training and move it online. We'll start with an initial startup call to learn all about you, your needs and goals. I'll create a custom, personalized program that's gonna help you achieve said goals, and we'll communicate regularly to make sure that you're on the right track and getting great results. I'm only taking a maximum of five new clients in 2022. So if you're interested in my one-on-one online coaching, send me an email at mike 
at robertsontrainingsystems.com. Now, private coaching may not be for everyone. So if that's the case, I'm also totally revamping my RTS annual program for 2022, and that could potentially be a great fit for you as well. In this program, we go through four three-month phases of training, building the engine, leaning season, athletic domination, and stronger. But the cool part of this program is that it's more than just a training program. Every month, you'll not only get a new workout to follow, but we'll also set monthly challenges where we develop habits in regards to nutrition, recovery, and mindset to help ensure that next year is your best year ever. And trust me, I know the last two years haven't always been kind to our habits and routines, so that portion of the program alone is worth the price of admission. If you're interested in an annual training group, you can learn more at robertsontrainingsystems.com forward slash annual. And if you've got any questions whatsoever, feel free to email me directly at mike at robertsontrainingsystems.com and I'll do my best to point you in the right direction. Okay, that's enough from me. Thank you so much for listening and I'd love the chance to work with you and help you make 2022 your best year ever. Rajesh Patel has been an innovator, leader, and highly regarded coach in the health and performance field for over 20 years. His passion for improvement, growth, and development has played a major role in the success and well-being for hundreds of individuals. He currently serves as the Associate Athletic Director and Director of Athletic Performance at Quinnipiac University. Coach B has built the Strength and Conditioning Department from scratch, instilling his philosophy and approach to creating the best overall environment. While Coach B oversees the strength and conditioning development for all 21 varsity sports at Quinnipiac, he works primarily with the men's and women's basketball teams and the ice hockey teams. Now in this show, B and I start by talking about his three goals of training. From there, we dive into topics like balancing family and career, which is probably a key factor for everyone who listens to this show. Next, we talk about B's definition of mindset, having purpose behind your actions, and why it's so important to have a growth versus a fixed mindset. This was such a great chat, and I really think you're going to love this show. But enough for me. Let's do this. Rajesh, man, thank you so much for coming on the show here today. A little disappointed in myself. It took me over 300 episodes to get you on, but we're making it happen now. Could you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I mean, it's um, thanks for having me on. First and foremost, like I still remember like the first time we connected via email. I think it was like back in like 2005. I think I wrote an article for Cressy back in the day and you email me some stuff and I used to read the stuff that you guys put, used to put on T Nation. So um, long time colleagues, but it's, yeah. nice, it's nice to finally get on here. How have I gotten to where I am right now? A lot of it is um, like I knew I wanted to be a strength conditioning coach, but since I was a senior in high school, I think I've told this story ad nauseum, but like I grew up um, loving sports, but I was overweight and I was obese and uh, I didn't have a lot of opportunities to play use sports growing up because my parents were always working. I'm an only child and my parents worked two jobs to try to support me. And, and so a lot of the time I sat around and watched TV and, (laughs) and in eight and, and I got fat. Yeah. And then, um, I, you know, I went to high school and I started playing football and I finished last in every conditioning drill. And, and after the season, I said, you know what, like, I got to make a change. Like I want to play more. I don't want to be last. I want to be better. And meanwhile, like my parents and family members had told me for years, like, you got to change, you got to lose weight. You got to do all these types of things and nothing ever clicked until that, that moment in time. And then, 
this was in the mid nineties, early nineties. And I didn't really know much about training. So all I knew was I needed to run and then I needed to watch what I ate. So I essentially starved myself and just started running and I ended up losing <laughs> close to 90, 90 pounds in six months. And it wasn't very healthy, but in the meantime, I started consuming everything exercise and fitness related. I used to watch everything on ESPN. They used to have bodybuilding yeah. um, TV shows. They used to awesome. read muscle fitness, right? Yeah. 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 Gilad, I would like, like all that kind of stuff. Like I would watch <laughs> and I would consume and just learn and immerse myself into it. And then um, through, through high school, we, by my senior, by my junior year, we actually had like an organized strength conditioning program by one of our football coaches kind of implemented. And I was like, wow, this is fascinating in terms of like how you would change your training and change your exercise and change your volume and change your running based on what time of the year it was. And I started to hear a little bit about more about strength conditioning, you know, just watching football and things like that. Right. And I was like, you know what, like I, this, that's what I want to do. And I remember my parents were like, are you like, and I'm Indian. There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of strength conditioning professionals like in my race. And so I remember my parents were like, can you support a family doing that? Can you do all these types of things doing that? I'm like, I'm like, I'll figure it out. Almost like in spite of them, I'm like, right. I'm going to make this work. So I went to the school, University of Connecticut, and uh, second week on campus, I met Andrew Hootie, and I said, hey, I want to be a strength conditioning coach. What should I do? And she's like, well, you got to go talk to Coach Martin and see if you can intern and volunteer. And, and I did, and it was awesome. Like, I met so many people, and it's almost like my outliers moment happened when I was at UConn. Like, I was immersed with unbelievable professionals, uh, really learned what it took to be become a strength conditioning coach, what it took to be successful um, what it took to make relationships with athletes. And, and every year I got more and more responsibility. I was allowed to coach, I was allowed to, you know, work with like our, our basketball teams, our football teams, every single sport on campus. And you know, it was fortunate to be able to do some internships along the way with Mike Boyle and then Jeff Oliver at Holy Cross, which led to me to my first full-time job. But just the people that I was to be able to surrounded by like Andrew Hootie, Tina Murray, Sean Wendell, Pat Dixon, Mo Butler, who's still there. Coach Martin, rest in peace. I mean, he was there. Bill Kramer, Jeff Volick, um, Duncan French, like, <laughs> like all these, like Disa Hatfield was there too. Like, it, it's just unbelievable the people that I'm Eric Cressy. Yeah. Like, who? It, yeah, you know, who? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all the people that I was able to cross paths with. And then even with my time with Boyles, like Mike Boyle, Walter Norton, um, Mike Potenza, who was at the San Jose Sharks, like, and is a good friend of mine too. Just, it opened up so many different doors for me and, and uh, it's kind of led me to where I am right now. And then I've been at Quinnipiac University. We're a division one school. Probably not a lot of people have heard of it, but I've been here for 14 years and I was the first full-time trend coach that they hired. Um, and I've been able to grow the program from the ground up, which is really rewarding. And, and it's kind of cool to see, to be able to implement, you know, my philosophy and on training and, and, you know, athletic preparation. So it's, it's, it's nice. It's been fun. That's awesome, man. Well, that's that's a great place to start because, again, you're not one of these guys that's done it like five or six years and is talking about your philosophy and your mentorship program. Like you've done this 20 plus years now. So I'd love to just hear like how you would describe your training philosophy now and maybe how it's evolved over that yeah. time. Right. Because we all change. We all evolve. So how have you evolved over that 20 year period? Yeah, my, uh, my I think my philosophy to, to training is pretty simple. Like it, it's around th it's it's surrounded by three goals. The first is reduce the chance of injury because you can't play if you're hurt. And I think that's even more profound, the level that I'm at right now, because we don't have all Americans rolling in the door. We don't have NBA, you know, first round draft picks rolling in the door. So 
the better players we have, we've got to keep them healthy. You know, so that's our first and foremost goal. Second thing is to make better athletes. I, I think sports specific is a bastardized term because especially the NCAA, we can't do anything that's sports specific because that's that's skill development. And that's what you're going to do with your coaches. Right. Um, we're not allowed to use implements. We're not allowed to do that. So everything we do is really general and, and really try to improve their athleticism so that they can perform their skills harder, faster and longer. And then our third thing is to educate you know, and educate them about training and recovery and sleep and everything that goes into to becoming a better athlete. So that's kind of my general approach. And that's the approach that we have with that we run through our th- entire athletic department. And so I tell my assistants, like, you can program however, which way you want to. I mean, that's kind of our philosophy. So it allows a lot of room for creativity, yep. allows a lot of room for for them to be able to use their own backgrounds and strengths to try to implement the best program that they see fit for the teams that they're assigned to. But that, pro, that that philosophy has definitely evolved. And a lot of it honestly has come from my experiences. Like, like my whole career has been in the Northeast, right? I, yeah. I, I went to school, at university of Connecticut, worked with Mike Boyle, worked at Holy cross and then been here. So like it's, I haven't left Connecticut or Massachusetts and being at UConn and being with Mike Boyle, like it, it was, I learned some different philosophies and different approaches. And the best way I can describe it is, is I looked at one, one way of training the body. And then I looked at another way of, of things about training the mind. And when I got to Holy Cross, then eventually here, like I figured out, like, we can't just focus on the body and we can't just focus on the mind. We need to be able to have a blend in terms of how we produce and how we deliver our programming to our student athletes, right? And to the athletes that I'm fortunate enough to be able to work with. And so the underlying philosophy has been fairly similar all the way throughout, but really integrating how we train the body as well as how we great integrate the mental side of things is, is I think what makes us unique. Like I talked to recruits all the time. I said, listen, you can go to another school. They're not going to do things that much different from the what's of what we do, yeah. but how we do things is going to make us unique and make us stand out. Mm, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Okay. So I want to talk real quick about like your professional and your career arc. And then I want to come back to this because I think this is a fascinating topic. But I think a lot of times we talked about this before the show, there's a lot of young coaches these days. And it's like, they're always thinking about the next opportunity, right? I want to get to that next D1 school, or I want to get to a bigger school, or I want to get in the pros. And you've absolutely taken the opposite path. Right. Like you said, you've been at your school now for 14 years. So why have you chosen to stay at a smaller school instead of going bigger and bigger? The first part, it's family, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's got to be the first and foremost thing for me. That is right. And everybody's different. Everybody's goals are going to be slightly different. And I've got a family that fully supports what I do, but I'm able to have such an unbelievable work life balance. Um, Like I can take my kids to school every single day. I'm home for dinner the majority of every single every single day, except for the season. Sometimes we've got games yep. like in the summertime, like like obviously we have a lot of kids here training in the off season, But like it's there's not many strength coaches in college that have the hours that I do. So I'm very fortunate to be able to have that. And that's the thing that I don't necessarily want to lose, especially my kids are 11 and nine right now. Yep. And they've kind of grown up around being a Quinnipiac. They know that they know, they know the athletes, anybody who's, who's left on to play pros, like they, they know them, like those, those athletes know my kids still, they ask about them. So a lot of it's really the relationships that I've been able to build, but also the, the, the impact that I think I've been able to have 
with the student athletes that we've had, but also on our athletic department and the people here. And it's really nice to be able to just see our program grow from, from me being the only full, full-time person. to now we've got three full-time assistants and a staff of four. Wow. You know, we've got two facilities that we have on campus and we're going to upgrade another one, but it's, it's really nice to be able to, to see something grow. Like it's, I'd lie if I said, you know what, like I, early on in my career, like I was thinking about, I didn't think I'd be here this long. Like I was already thinking about the next move. And I was fortunate to have some people at the university that, that wanted to continue to invest in me. And that was a really good feeling. And, and I think that validated a lot of things that I was doing and it's continued to be that way. So they always say the grass is greenest where you stand, right? Like it's the grass isn't always greener everywhere else, but you never know until you go, but right now I think the, the opportunities that I've had here and the impact I've been able to have has allowed me to to want to continue to stay here. I love it. I love it. And this is something that that I've had numerous discussions with with interns or young coaches that have been at IFAST. It's like, hey man, some of the best times is if you're single or young or unattached, man, go chase all those things and do all those things where you can be selfish and focus on your career. And you know, I, I've always thought to myself, like hey, man, if I ever wanted to chase more like consulting type stuff or something like that, like there's plenty of time, right? Like guys like you and I are playing the long game. Like I don't Mm. ever see myself just like sitting on a beach and sipping Mai Tais. So so like, hey, man, there's a second career, but maybe it's not until my kids are out of the house and doing their own thing at college or something like that, right? You almost have to play like the really long game, especially when you're at where we're at, because I'm not just going to pick up and leave my kids at eight and 10 and just be like, okay, dad's going to go take a new job and be gone half the year. Like that just wouldn't Ex- work. No, exactly. And it's funny. You mentioned the consulting thing is like, I think being in this, like as long as I have now, I think that's where a lot of my, um, my specialty lies in is, is being able to, to help young coaches and to be able to help other coaches, like, and be able to use my skill set to help them become better. And like, I think that's something I've tried to improve upon since quarantine and, and trying to get more of those opportunities for myself too. Cause I think that's another way, obviously I can create a stream of income, but also be able to help the next generation out too. Absolutely. I love it, man. So one thing that you mentioned earlier, and I know I'm a big proponent of, a, of it as well is this idea of having the right mindset. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. First off, how do you define mindset? And then how do you start to introduce mindset into the training of your athletes? Yeah. I don't know if this is an actual definition. There's a way I think about it is that your mindset is your belief system, right? It's a mental attitude that you give towards certain tasks and it's a general approach to how you just do things, right? And it, in my avenue, right? And my strength conditioning just happens to be my avenue, but I am a firm believer that everybody can become better, right? And mm-hmm. that's kind of like my, we call it the company motto. Like, like that's our thing is we want to get better. And Everything that I do is going to try to help other people realize that they can improve themselves and they become better versions of themselves. So that's the my mindset. That's my belief system. Yep. Um, so my belief system influences the decisions and the actions that I take from a coaching standpoint. And implementing mindset isn't just something we do because it's the off season or because it's this day or it's a mental toughness. That's just not how it works. Like mindset has to be something that you integrate into every aspect of your training. If that's what you believe in. Yeah. Right. If you're, if you're a mobility guy, then you're going to figure out ways to find out how to implement mobility every single day. If you're 
uh, breathing proponent, you're going to fi- figure out ways on how to uh, integrate breathing into every single training session that you have. So if mindset is your thing and you're trying to influence the way people think about what they do to impact their life, then it's going to be something that you introduce every single day. So we do that like with, you know, like when our athletes come in, I'll say like, how are you doing today? If they say good, I'm like, well, I'm like, well, how come you're not great? You know, I say, I was to say good is the enemy of great. Like that's from Jim Collins, but yeah. like, we want to take paths to try to be great. And that's a decision-making process too. Cause if they say they're, they're, they're okay. Well, well that can lend to a conversation. Well, why are you just okay? What happened to you? You know what I mean? Did you right. not sleep well? Did you not do this? Did you not eat right? Like, did you, are you feeling sorry for yourself because you had a bad practice? Are you feeling, you know what I mean? Like all right. those types of things. And that kind of leads to developing a level of awareness, right? And so mm-hmm. you can't you can't change anything if you're not aware, right? Like yeah. I always often tell our athletes too is like, if you can't sense and feel, you can't control and change. And so a lot of what you sense and feel is based on your level of awareness. And so what, like when you say things, are you truly aware of the things that you say? Like how many people just do you know just go uh, got on uh, go on autopilot with the things that they say? Yeah. Well, I'm just good. Well, are you really like? Right. Because as soon as I ask them, like, are you great? Are you good? Are you great? Like they have to think about that. <laughs> Sometimes I'll do like little things like who's ready to get better, raise your hand. Right. They are just given power of choice to somebody. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if they act a certain way, according to that, now I can hold them to a standard. So like, you just told me that you wanted to get better today, but you got a piss poor attitude. Like that ain't going to yeah. work. Right. You know, so mindset, something that we, we, we approach with everything that we do, but a lot of it's, it's the conversations that I have and how I talk to them. But it, it, it's all really trying to develop a level of awareness within this, within their own selves to understand that they control their performance. They control their attitudes. Oh, I love that, dude. It reminds me of, uh, I think it's like a Don Miguel Ruiz book or something like that. But he talks about like being mindful of your words, Yeah, you know, and mm-hmm. like you said, so many people just go on autopilot, right? So, oh, how are you? Oh, I'm so busy. Like that's their like default answer. Oh, I'm so busy. And then they give you like 20 reasons why they're busy versus like, like you said, okay, so you gave me an answer. Now I'm going to probe and ask you more about that answer. And then they start to realize, oh my gosh, wow. I just say that because it's like the common thing to say, right? Yep. I love that. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. So many people, I think just, they don't really think. Right. They did. Yeah. They just kind of react to it, which is sometimes when you play, you want to react. You don't want to think, but you want to get, make them a little bit more mindful of the things that they do. So they have more purpose behind their actions. Mm-hmm. I think that from my standpoint, at least that's what I look for is like, let's, let's, let's be mindful versus being mindless. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, and so like when we coach and we do things like I'm going to tell them, this is what you should feel. This is what you should do. This is how you should do it. This is what, this, this is the act. This is the reason why. So they, they truly understand. So there's a sense of purpose behind the movement or the exercise versus just frivolous, frivolously just doing something to do it. Right. Like, I'm not going to f- just fill your time to fill your time. Like there's a reason behind what we do. And once you buy into that reason, then you're going to have better control. If you have better control, you're probably going to feel better. If you're going to feel better, you're probably going to perform better. Yeah. So it's all about being able to try to connect those dots. And it doesn't happen on day one, Mike. Like no, it takes no. time. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, and that's why it's important to me. So we're going to do it every single day. Yep. But it's like sometimes it takes them a month for things to click. Sometimes it takes them a year for it to click. Sometimes it takes them three years. Sometimes I've had athletes be like, they text me or call me or write me an email after they're graduated. And they'd be like, <laughs> they'd be like, oh, like I get it now. Like when they're right. an adult and they have to figure things out and they have to figure out their life. 
those are the types of things that are really rewarding for me is when they start to understand those types of things. Like we've got one guy, I remember um, he plays NHL right now and he's become a very good friend of mine, but as a freshman, he was, he, he was brutal, like yeah. just bad habits and lazy, uh, just uber talented, but like never really bought into like doing little things and being mindful and, and having a great attitude. And then all of a sudden things clicked and he buys in 110% and, and he's killing it right now. That's you know? awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. We talk all the time, especially with like young coaches or interns about the value of context and creating mm-hmm. context for our clients, for our athletes. So they understand, right? Because the second they understand or they're more educated as to why we do stuff, buy-in goes through the roof. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So I know kind of, it's kind of like an adjacent topic, but I know you're also a big believer in keeping a positive attitude as well. So I don't know, this may sound random, but in your opinion, is there a difference between mindset and attitude? Uh, I do. Um, okay. Not much, but I, I think they do go hand in hand, right? Because mindset is one of those things, like if you read Carolyn Dweck, like you've, it, there's kind of two approaches to mindset. You can have a fixed mindset or you can have a growth mindset. It's still your mindset. Yeah, it is what it is. It's just the way you think about things. Like I said before, it's like your belief system. Yeah. If you believe that you can get better then then, then that's a growth mindset. If you believe like that, Hey, this is the way I am. I'm not going to get any smarter. I'm not going to get, <laughs> that's a fixed mind. That's your belief system. Yep. Now the attitude that you bring, I think is something that you, it's the way you express your mindset. You know what I mean? Okay. So I think your attitude, it could either be positive or it could be negative. Your attitude, like how do you, I think your attitude is how you almost respond and react to things that, to events that happen to you, you know what I mean? There yeah, are events yeah. that are happening around you. Like, okay, you, you got in a car crash, right? What's my attitude? How am I going to handle this? Am I, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or your kid got in trouble at school. Like uh, how, what's my attitude going to be towards that? Yep. You know, well, you know, am I going to overreact? Am I going to underreact? Am I going to be positive? Or am I going to be negative? Am I going to cost? Am I going to, you know, how am I going to, how am I going to respond? I think that's your attitude, right? Okay. And like we talk about with our athletes, okay. All right, we finish our session and say, all right, now we're going to go, now we're going to run our hill. You know, like what's your attitude towards that? Yep. Are you going to, you're going to sulk your head and put your head down and pout? Or are you going to respond positive and be like, all right, I got this. You know, we, we got this right now. We can, we can crush anything. Like, right. so what's your attitude? Like, how do you choose to respond? And I think the key word there is choose. Like I always tell our athletes, there's going to be two certainties in life. You're going to die and you're going to make choices. Right. And so once you yeah. accept those two things, like then that can Im- impact the decisions that you decide to make. Like you're going to, you got to make choices. You can choose to be positive. You can choose to be negative. You can choose to help your team. You can choose to hurt your team. You can choose to eat that cookie or you can choose to eat their salad. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. You can choose to go to bed 10 minutes earlier or you can choose to stay up late and, and, and sit on your phone. Yep. But don't complain to me when you feel tired the next day. Yeah. That was your choice. Yeah. So, and then now it comes back to the level of awareness too is like people going on autopilot like i had this one of our athletes is uh red shirting this year and we did an aerobic power circuit which was very uncomfortable and um approached it pretty negatively like oh i like i hate conditioning i hate doing this like and she was like well i'm still gonna do it anyway i'm like i know you're gonna do it but like it's not about the fact that you're doing it but it's how you're doing it she's like what do you mean I said, well, if you're doing this by yourself because everybody else is playing a game and you're red shirt. But if we had to do this as a team and you have that attitude, that's going to permeate through everybody. And, yeah. like, and that's not helping anybody. And she's like, oh, I get it. So you might not like it, but you don't need to tell everybody. Yeah. Like, why do you need to tell everybody? 
Right. Like, right. You know what I mean? Like, like right. it's like, like we talk about like, Oh, I'm, I'm so sore today. Like, I don't think I can do that. Like how many times have you heard that? Oh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. well, if you've already th- thought that the chances are that you're, you're probably not going to be able to accomplish that. Right. You already planted that seed of doubt into your head. That, like it's like going into an exam. Like, well, like, I hope, I hope, I hope they don't ask me that question. It's because you're not prepared. You're not ready for it. Yes. So I love it. I love it. Yeah. And this is something that, that I talk to people about, like my clients, my athletes is like trying to take that negative and flip it into a positive, right? Like you can always do that somehow, right? Like, okay, somebody gets injured. Uh, like a girl that I'm working with, I've literally trained her for like 10 years off and on. And she tore ACL this year. I just told her, I'm like, Hey, look, like we can look at this as a negative and you have to miss a year of soccer, or we can look at it as, Hey, this is the first time in your entire life where you've been able to focus on your body and get your body feeling like 110%. She's like, you know, I never thought of it like that. Mm-hmm. So it's like being able to to flip that, I think is such yeah. a powerful tool to teach young, young athletes, young coaches. I mean, just people in general, right? Is like, hey, we can look at this as just purely a negative. But if you try and flip it in some way, shape or form, I guarantee there's some positives there, too. Absolutely. Like I, I don't, I'm with you on this. And I say the same exact thing is every time you get hurt, that's an opportunity to try to work on something else. Yes. Cause very for more times than not, you don't get those opportunities to work on things because you have to do skill work. You have to do this. You have to do that yep. now. Like, all right, like now you can improve any deficiencies you have. Maybe you can try to improve your mental game now too. Maybe you can improve your ability to do, you know, visualize, or maybe you can improve your ball handling. If you like, you can't run, you know what I mean? Anything right. like that. Like it's, it's always an opportunity. There's a, but again, those are choices, but it also comes back to, what I talked about my philosophy before is educating. You're trying to educate them about the things that they can do versus the things that they can't do. Yep. Yep. Okay. So I got one other big topic that I want to touch on because I know this is something we both emphasize with our athletes is this idea of positive self-talk. But I also know sometimes that can be difficult, right? Like we're so used to external stuff, but we don't always take stock of the internal and the things that we're saying to ourselves, right? So how do you go about getting someone who may be a bit more on the negative side and work with them to shift their talk so that it becomes more positive over time? Yeah, that's a challenge. And it, a lot of it comes down to it, like how long has that habit been ingrained, right? Yeah. Like, cause that's yeah. obviously a habit, right? Like whatever yeah, we sure. do, like we are what we repeatedly do. Like, like that's a habit. So they've been in a habit of having negative self-talk. I'll often ask them, well, how's that working out for you? Yeah. <laughs> Cause more times yep. than not, like it doesn't work out for them. Right. You know what I mean? Like, unless you're like uh, the 0.0001% of the population, like negative self-talk does not help. Research has shown that over and over again. You know, it's like Angela Duckworth's research in, in regards to grit. Like, yep. you know what I mean? Like the grittiest ath- the grittiest people are the most successful people, are the ones that can continue to persevere in the midst of adversity. Like when things get a little bit more challenging and to be able to persevere, you've got to have a great attitude and a great mindset to be able to allow you to overcome. So a lot of it is bringing, again, bringing awareness back to the person about when they're being positive and when they're being negative and when they're being negative, what happens a lot. Like, I think the biggest thing that I've realized is when people are being negative, it tends to be when they're focused on things in the past or things within the future. And they mm-hmm. really think about the things that are actually going on in the present. Yep. You know, like if somebody has a, a bad performance, right? Well, the performance is over. Right. Why are you still, why are you still living in that moment? 
You know what I mean? Like yep. learn for learn from it. And I, I've stolen this from Conor McGregor, but I love it. But it's either you, you, we don't lose. We either win or we learn. Oh, right. Like and that. so, yeah. you know, and so the, you have to make the choice to learn from what happened so you can improve, but you have to learn in the present, right? You, you can watch film, you can talk to a coach, you can do all this. You can talk to our sports psychologist. You can do all those types of things, but you've got to take control of the performance and not let somebody else control it all for you again if you attack things with positivity in the present moment you can probably accomplish some things absolutely you know it's funny as you were talking i wrote down two things number one being present which you just mentioned but also meditation and mm. i know this seems like a, a strange leap but so many people like you said they're focused on either the past or the future right and some people talk about like the past being like depression and anxiety being about the future but meditation can help you come back and focus on the present moment and just like whatever is going on right then, right? The sounds around you, your breathing, whatever. And that's something that I found works really well for some of these negative self-talk. Mm -hmm. Like they're so all over the place and to kind of center themselves and just be in the moment makes such a big difference for them. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And meditation is all about trying to quiet the noise. It's not about... Yep. It's not about clearing your mind so much, but it's also being aware of the thoughts that come into your head and realizing if there's nothing I can do about it right now, let it go. Right. You know, I, we've, tr we've talked about meditation with some, some our athletes and that's the biggest thing is they think that it's gotta be like Kumbaya and Zen all the time. Like, no, like you can meditate multiple times throughout the day. I, we can meditate right now. Like right. it's, it, it's raw. A lot of it is just being aware of the present moment. Like that's what awareness is. And that's yes. what meditation is. I don't know if you've seen this, but I've recommended this a lot. There's a great series on Netflix, the Headspace Guide to Meditation. Oh, I mean, I use Headspace, but I haven't seen this, no. Yeah, it's like maybe six to eight episodes, and they're like 15 minutes each. Okay. But they talk about like different topics in every single one, and then they take you through a guided meditation at the end. Okay. Yeah, and so I, we've had some people who struggle with like getting to sleep and recommending that, and they're like, they absolutely love it. That's funny. So- I'm yeah. going to have to check that out. Yeah. I love it, man. It's okay. good. Okay. Big question time, my guy. If you could alter the space-time continuum and give young Brijesh Patel one piece of advice, what would it be? You don't know it all. Like, it's, <laughs> it, that, you know, I, like yeah. I was in, early on in my career. I thought I knew everything. I thought, uh, yeah, that's probably the best way to put it is like, I thought like, you know, I had a full-time job when I was 24. Like, I, you know what I mean? I, I, I was starting to make a name for myself within the, within the internet, like writing article. Like I thought I made it, like right. I was in perform better. Like, <laughs> like I thought I had made it, you know what I mean? And, um, I remember going to functional train coach one and Boyle was probably like 40 years old and he's spitting out all these things. I'm like, Oh my God, like, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> so I, I started realizing I'm like, hey, you know what? Like, like I can continue to learn. Um, so I think that was probably the, the best advice is, keep trying to get better and keep trying to learn. And that shaped my philosophy to where I am right now. Yeah. I love it, man. Well, like you said, you're instilling that in your athletes. It only makes sense that you follow that as well. Right. Yeah. You got to live it. Yeah. <laughs> you got to live it. Cause athletes these days are smart. They'll know, I, they'll know if you're fake or dude, real. That is such a great point. And that's something else that I always try and express to, to young coaches like, Hey man, you may think that you're so much smarter than this person you're working with. I hate to tell you, you're not. You're not. Mm -hmm. And if you're fake, they're going to know it for sure. They, they can smell BS right away. Yes. Like, so, so don't fake it. Be genuine, be authentic and, and, and care, like yes. really care about them. Great advice, man. Okay. So last but not least, we got our lightning round. So four fairly short questions. 
your answer can be as long or short as you like. Number one, what's your career highlight so far as a coach? I really love seeing athletes grow up into young adults and mature. Um, and I'm fortunate too. Like, here's the other thing, too, like being a Quinnipiac, like we see athletes over four years. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like going one and done to like a power five school. Yeah. Where, where you see them for a year or half a year and then they're gone. Right. Like I'm fortunate if I get to see Sierra athletes develop for four years and not just physically, but like the emotional and in the mental side of their maturity is probably the, the, the most rewarding side of it for me. Like yeah. it, it's, it's really cool. Cause not everybody's going to be a pro athlete, but they're going to be a human being, you know, yeah. and seeing them become a better human being is, is the most rewarding part. Well, and like, you've mentioned numerous times, all of these things from like the mindset and the mental side that you're doing that help them in athletics, they may not realize it, but they're going to pay dividends down the line. Yeah, as well, Right. They definitely are. Like it, it's, yeah, you, it, you're giving them life skills. You know what yes. I mean? It's, 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 and then getting them to understand those types of things and training just happens to be like a, a, a great avenue to be able to implement those kind of things and teach them. Yep. Love it. Okay. Number two, so many great mentors. Do you have one that really stood out or maybe like really had a profound impact on you early on? Yeah. You know what? Like the older that I get, the more I realize that it's, it's my parents. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's cliche to say, but man, like they were hard on me. Like they, they were strict. Like they, they taught me discipline. Like they were on me about not settling. And as I've gotten older, I've realized, you know what? Like that's the stuff that matters. Like yeah. it goes back to the mental side of things, right? Like, in the moment, you, you you don't like it. You don't want to hear it, yeah. you know, and I find myself doing that with my own kids. And I find myself saying it's a lot, a lot of the student athletes I get to work with too, is, is just keep expecting more out of yourself or believing that you can be better. Yeah. So, so it's my mentors granted it's, they have nothing to do with like my profession, but they have everything to shape my, my, my belief system to allow me to perform my job at a high level. I love it. Okay, number three, dude, what the heck are NFTs and why are you so excited about them? By the way, before you answer this, I lost about an hour of my life yesterday because of your conversation about the metaverse. Oh, <laughs> so I was like, what is, what is the metaverse? So then I was in that for like an hour. So, but talk to me uh, about NFTs. Yeah. So I've gotten into um, cryptocurrencies and, and understanding what cryptocurrencies are and like a lot of, People like initially I had no idea what the hell they were. I remember hearing about Bitcoin from some athletes like in 2014 and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell is that? And I think <laughs> as things have become a little like during quarantine, right? Like a lot of people would invest in cryptocurrencies. And um, I was a late adopter to it, but I still were I still think we're fairly early. I honestly think that cryptocurrencies are gonna be the future. NFTs are a way to basically authenticate improve ownership of digital assets, right? So okay. we are slowly migrating, not slowly, I think we're fast, quickly migrating to a digital reality and digital world. Like, right. and I don't love that fact at all, right. but I think you have to be able to recognize trends and you have to be able to recognize what's coming, whether you like it or not, to start to be early adopters, right? I think we all were, right? With right understanding you, me, Eric, like trying to understand like the power of the internet, trying to understand the power of uh, creating DVDs. Yeah. Right. And, uh, yeah. and then the power of like being able to start creating streaming content and all those types of things and podcasts and all this kind of stuff. 
I think NFTs, it stands for non-fungible token, right? So cryptocurrencies are fungible tokens, meaning that you can reproduce them. So Bitcoin, there's 21 million Bitcoin and they're all the same. A non-fungible token, essentially, everything is unique. It has a different, they have different traits, they have different properties behind them that make them unique, kind of like your, like the Mona Lisa. That's the best example I can give you. There's one Mona Lisa. There's a lot of people that can have, uh, create duplicates of it, but there's only one Mona Lisa. So with NFTs, a lot of it has started from digital artwork and using profile pictures and things like that. And so, yeah, sure, you can right-click and save it, but you don't own it. Mm. Okay. But on the blockchain, you can prove ownership because everything is validated via a smart contract. And so you can prove ownership of these things. And I think NFTs are going to slowly migrate to music, migrate to movies, migrate to more sources of media, which are all forms of artwork, but also migrate to forms of ownership being your cars, your house, Right. Um, where, cause if you want to validate, you want to see like who owned this house before you got to go to town hall, how long does it take to, to like go through all the paperwork to figure that stuff out? Whereas on the blockchain, you can view this view, view the smart contract of that house. You can see every single person that's owned it. Huh. You can see every single sale of it. And it's, it's really cool. What, what cryptocurrencies do. And basically cryptocurrencies are just different ways to transact on different types of networks. So if you go to London, right, you've got to convert your dollars to pounds, right? Different cryptocurrencies, you can convert via decentralized exchanges, you can convert, say, Ethereum to Bitcoin or Ethereum to Doge or whatever, whatever you want to do. And you can be able to transact on those different networks. Hmm. And what kind of that leads to is what the metaverse is, which is what a lot of people are calling Web 3.0, where Web 1.0 is just our introduction of, of being able to find information on the internet. Somebody else is posting it. Web 2.0 it was the advent uh, of, of social media and being able to interact with different things. But the medium has always been companies, Facebook, Twitter, Google, like they're putting out the information and people, right. but it allows you to integrate. Web 3.0 allows you to actually to own stuff that lives within the internet. Hmm. Okay. In the metaverse, if you ever watch Ready Player One, have you ever seen it? I haven't yet. No, uh, it's on HBO Max. And it gives you an idea of like what the metaverse is, but a lot of it's combined with AR and VR. AR, you kind of have if you have Snapchat right now or Pokemon Go, like that's augmented realities, being able to see things pop up. They're not really there, right. but things will pop up. Or VR with these glasses and things that are going on. Um, VR is actually getting really big in sport performance too, as a lot of people are using these goggles or these glasses to be able to practice their skill set and enhance their ability to perform their skills without the pounding on their joints in their body. Right. And so being able to interact within this metaverse, so as you and I are going to do this Zoom, maybe we do it in the metaverse and we can actually like physically hold things and touch things together. Right. And we can interact with each other or we can do this at the beach. (laughs) That wouldn't be bad. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Instead of doing this in my office or in your house, but like, I, th- I think it's 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 going to be a big part of what the future is going to entail, whether you like it or not. So a lot of my affinity towards NFTs is trying to understand it a little bit more, yep. but also trying to create streams of income for myself and for my family, and using it as is is investment places in, in in digital assets. That is cool. Now see, now I'm going to lose like probably years of my life digging into all this, but. It sounds fascinating uh, for sure. Be prepared. Your screen time might go up a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it, man. Okay. Last but not least, number four, what's next for Brajesh Patel? You know what? Like I get asked this question a lot. Like 
I don't really know what's coming next. I like to, like we said before, I like to focus on doing the best job that I can right now yep. in the present. And I think the future starts, future will take care of itself based on what I do right now. Yep. Um, and so right now I want to be a great father. I want to be a great husband. I want to do the best job that I can right now, be a mentor to those that are surrounded by, and then be able to help the, the, the future generation of coaches that are going to be out there. Yeah. So I love it, man. I love it. We are cut from the same cloth, my friend. Well, yeah. B man. So great catching up with you today. Where can my listeners find out more about you? So I have a, a website. They can reach out to me there. It's coachbpatel.com. And then I has all my social links there from Instagram, from Twitter. If you follow me on Twitter, be prepared. I will tweet about crypto. I will tweet about <laughs> NFTs. I will tweet, tweet about training. Um, I'll tweet about mindset. So it gives you a good idea of what I'm doing right now, but also all the things that I'm interested in as well. Um, I'll tweet about Quinnipiac sports as well. too. <laughs> so it's right. all kind of in there too. But those are the best ways to interact with me. And you can find out communication and stuff there. So coachbpatel.com, best way to go about it. Perfect. I'll make sure we get that in the uh, show notes and show links. But B, man, great catching up with you today. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. All right, my friend, that does it for this week's show with Brajesh. Really hope you enjoyed it. It was not only great to connect, or reconnect with this guy, somebody I've been friends with for close to like 15, 20 years now. But man, it was just great to have him on the show and hear all the great insights that he's cultivated over the years. He's had a tremendous amount of success. And I love the idea of, look, you don't always have to go to a bigger and brighter stage. Coach B has made an amazing name for himself at Quinnipiac. He's found a great blend between work and family life. And I think there's just so many takeaways from this show. I really hope you enjoyed it. Now, if you haven't done so already, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Number one, if you haven't subscribed to the show, please do that right now today. doesn't matter where you consume podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, wherever you consume podcasts, go there right now, subscribe to the show so that you know each and every week when a new episode drops. Number two, if you already subscribed, thank you. But hey, let's go one step further. Go on to iTunes right now. Give us a rating and a review. The show continues to grow. We're six years in. I can't believe that our numbers are continuing to go up. It seems like each and every month. So let's keep that positive momentum going. Give me a rating, give me a review, and let me know what you think of the show. So my friend, as always, thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you. And we'll be back next week with our next episode. Take care.